Welcome into the From the Loop podcast, live from the Ready to Paul Sports Studio in downtown Chicago with Matt Malamsetter. I'm Tim Stebbins. Matt, how's it going today? It's going pretty good. How are you doing, Tim? I'm good. Thanks for coming out on a Monday. Yeah, of course. Usually do this on a Thursday, but you know, in the world of sports, the world of sports last Thursday, it was just too boring for us to have good topics to discuss. You take what you can get, and uh, we weren't given much, but uh, <laughs> now it's Monday and we've got a lot, so it's it's a it was a good good decision, I think. Nothing like a good old weekend to rest up and get back into the things. Back into the groove of sports. Um, there was a lot of things that happened this week. There was. The World Series, the Red Sox won the World Series. There's a lot of football. We've got some good football coming up next weekend. Um, Tim, what do you want to what do you want to get into? What's our key for the week? Yeah, so key of the week we start off with just for new listeners, and it's just the biggest thing we like that we think is worthy of discussion. And then four things you need to know where we touch on four other important things uh, to a lesser extent. But Matt, mm-hmm. what if I told you it's finally time to settle the debate of who's the greatest of all time? Okay. I, I'm interested in settling a debate, yeah. It's it's time where we always discuss which player has the most clutch moments, which one has the most championships, who is okay. the most talented. Yeah, These guys even share the same jersey number, but it's not Michael Jordan and LeBron James. It's Aaron Rodgers and uh. Tom Brady in the NFL. So, Matt, they're facing off this Sunday. That's going to be the fourth on Sunday Night Football Yeah, in Foxborough. And I think this is one of the most anticipated matchups of the NFL season. Absolutely. So getting into it, I know, Matt, you, you are a Packers podcaster. You are a Packers yes. fan. I'm a big Packers fan. But I think we can both agree, and we missed the early 2000s where we were like this age, witnessing sure. Tom Brady. I think we both agree that, Aaron Rodgers is probably the better quarterback in the grand scheme of things. Yeah, I don't. I mean, honestly, I don't think it's really even that close. And this is this. Oh, is, it, sorry. It's <laughs> this is coming. I I don't think necessarily from a biased position either. I think that uh, really, when it comes down to any efficiency statistic and any eye test, I think it's hard for anybody to watch the pair of these quarterbacks and still decide. Oh yeah, Tom Brady's the better quarterback here. Like I mean. Yes, looking at the paper, <laughs> Tom Brady has more accomplishments. Um, but when you kind of really look at it, when you watch the film, when you watch the tape of the two of them, and then also when you look at the team surrounding it, it's hard to choose Tom Brady and championships as the deciding factor in who is the better quarterback. At the end of the day, this football is a team sport and championships kind of are very much dependent on the defense that you have and the coaches that you have and the scheme that you run. And Tom Brady works with the best coach in football history, probably, in Bill Belichick, who's also maybe one of the best general managers in football history as well. He's one of the greatest football minds. But also, Tom Brady pretty much always has a top-tier defense. Every time that Tom Brady's won a Super Bowl, he's had a a top-10, top-5 defense. Yeah, I would say this, too. The championships are always something we like to, in society, look at and determine that player isn't considered a great one of the greatest just because of the championships. Yeah, and Char- I, I think that's I think that's bad. Charles Barkley gets so much flack, and you know we didn't see him in the '90s, but today everyone likes to just throw him under the bus. Like you see it on the TNT show with him all the time, where it's like, Chuck, you don't they the all like Shaq and Kenny Jenner, yeah. like Kenny Smith, I should say, like yeah, you have no titles, you don't get to talk about this which is dumb because he's definitely one of the better players. I like Chris Bryant. I like the Cubs. 
Yeah. Would I say just because Chris Bryant has one championship that he's better than Mike Trout? No. No. Or, <laughs> like, like you can't just because Chris Bryant has a ring doesn't mean that he's a better defensive third baseman than when Machado was playing third base. Like it doesn't make him a better player than a similarly like talented player just because he has a ring. It means that oh, his management in front office was smarter and got more players in put better players in positions to win surrounding him. Not necessarily did he carry that team. Yeah, and Chris Bryant is a great player. There's no doubting it. And that's yeah. just like Tom Brady. We can't just say, well, we can't say what. Yes. It, yeah. When I'm saying this, I'm not saying that Tom Brady is not good. For sure. Or bad. I'm not saying that Tom Brady is bad because what I'm saying is that Tom Brady is probably the second best quarterback to ever play in the NFL. Which is like crazy because we have, this t- if we're concerned, these guys want to. There's you know, Steve Young, Joe Montana, Dan Marino. We're talking Brett about Favre. right now the two best yeah. are playing still. Yeah. Like how together we're gonna see them on the field against each other next week. Like NBA, the debate is Jordan and LeBron James. Yeah. But they didn't play at the same time. The no. fact that these two are the same time, they're yeah. gonna play each other. That's somewhat unprecedented, I would say, since maybe Marino played against Young and Montana. Montana. Yeah. But even then, I think these two are better than those three when mm-hmm. they faced off against Absolutely. each other. Absolutely. Yeah. Brady has a career uh, Q, uh, rating, QB rating, ninety-seven point six. Rodgers is 103.6. Yeah. And I don't know if that's one stat that you're like, yeah, that's that's it, what we should look at, but it's I think it's a pretty good indicator or of like both Rodgers' talent. It, it what I am trying to get at is that statistics are really hard to kind of judge a quarterback by. A lot of it comes down to like eye test and watching how they adjust teams at the line, good how point. they play after the snap, how they read the defense after the snap. And Tom Brady's uh, excelled in his pre-snap reads. Tom Brady is the one of the best of all time because of his ability to read a defense before the snap. Aaron Rodgers shows up in all the numbers. Aaron Rodgers, like you said, 103 rate, um, 99.4 rating in playoffs, which is still better than Tom Brady. In, in playoffs, Tom Brady has a 90.4. Um, so Aaron Rodgers is not only better than Tom Brady in the playoffs, he's in the playoffs, Aaron Rodgers is better than Tom Brady is in the regular season. Oh. Um, yeah, Aaron, Aaron Rodgers is really good and has led some bad teams deep into the playoffs. So, correct me if I'm wrong. This is his 14th season, Aaron Rodgers. Uh, yeah, I think so. And Brady's in his 19th. But what I think we kind of forget is Rodgers' first three years, he was still under Favre. Yeah. He played three games in 05, two in 06, and two in 07, and 05 was his rookie year. So not necessarily that his numbers are skewed, but they're Maybe that is how you can say it. His numbers are a little affected by the fact that his career numbers, quote unquote, his first three years he played seven total games. Yeah, it's so. It's also a thing of like I I don't want to ever bring up totals, uh, because it just is a different. It's a difficult uh, way to compare, like quarterbacks, especially guys who play in different schemes. Like somebody like Drew Brees, we see racking up completions and stuff. It's because. Oh, Drew Brees plays in a scheme where he throws the ball a lot and throws right. a lot of short balls. That's not a knock on Drew Brees. It's just oh, the scheme that he's in is going to allow him to rack up these total these total uh, completions, these total yards, all of this stuff. And so, uh, especially when comparing two guys who have various lengths in career. I mean, like you said, Aaron Rodgers is like his eleventh season as a starter versus Brady being in nearly his twentieth. Yep. It's hard to compare uh, like total numbers like overall touchdowns in their career, overall completions, anything like that. And that's why I would kind of like to refer to stuff like rating, 
stuff like uh, touchdown percentage, interception percentage, stuff like that. And all of that, uh, Aaron Rodgers kind of blows Tom Brady out of the water. Um, <laughs> Tom Brady's touchdown percentage in uh, the regular season is 5.6. Uh, Aaron Rodgers' touchdown percentage in the regular season is 6.3. Uh, Tom Brady, his touchdown percentage in the play- playoffs is 4.8. Aaron Rodgers' touchdown percentage in the playoffs is uh, 6.1. Um that's like the best of all time type numbers. And it's an interesting debate because it's not like both guys have ever had a dominant running back next to them where, oh, that's probably why one numbers are different, one set of numbers is different than the other. Yep. I don't think Brady or Rodgers has ever had a guy who you can be considered top five running back in the NFL. Is that wrong to say? No, I don't I, I, I think you're right. Ryan Grant was good. That's Ryan Grant the, was good before that's before Aaron Rodgers' time. Exactly. So that's the first guy I can think of from uh, the Packers. I mean, Eddie Lacey had a few good years, but it that's was true. Yeah. Two decent years where uh, he pretty often wasn't playing much in the beginning of the year um, to save him for the latter part of the year. Uh, and he also pretty often like bounced off of a guy like James Starks, um, who's a fine player for the Packers, but not somebody who's going to be around all the time. Kind of James Starks, kind of similar to a uh, like a one of the many backups that Tom Brady has had around. Yeah, and like Brady's. A, James White type of who's just kind of there. He's pretty good, but he's not there. I think also I think they've all they've both had good receiving targets. I think Brady has had maybe the best tight end of all time in Rob Gronkowski when he's on the field. Deion Branch, Randy Moss, Wes Welker. Yeah, Julian Edelman. I think Rodgers has has good ones. Donald Driver, Greg Jennings, J- uh, Jordy Nelson, Randall Cobb. I I think they're about even. Yeah. Devontae Adams is, I think, maybe the best receiver Aaron Rodgers had, so I'm excited to watch kind of the rest of their career fade out. Um, but I, I, I think overall in weapons, it's something that um, we've heard a lot from Tom Brady fans is that Tom Brady's never had a weapon. That's not true. So Tom Brady's facetious. had, like, so many Pro Bowl and Hall of Fame-level caliber players on his offense and catching his balls. I mean, even now, putting Josh Gordon on a team with Rob Gronkowski and— <laughs> Julian Edelman, like, are you kidding me? He's moved up to the depth chart since he got there, too. Yeah, it's Tom Brady Tom Brady not having weapons is such a lie. <laughs> Where we get into the situation of one of them being mismatched is the coaching staffs and the defenses. Uh, the Green Bay Packers coaching staff's been fine, has been around a long time, and is probably better than anything that's on the coaching free agency market right now. Um but they're not Bill Belichick. You don't want Jeff Fisher to go to the don't Packers? Don't want Jeff Fisher to go to the <laughs> Packers. Um, and I think probably the defense is the biggest uh, thorn in Aaron Rodgers' heel when we get to, like, uh, champ- when we get to discussing, like, championships and stuff like that. So pretty much throughout Tom Brady's career, he's had these top five and top ten defenses. Almost every time he's won a Super Bowl, he's had a top five defense, except for one year, I believe he had a top, he had number eight. Like, to win a Super Bowl takes a team effort and takes an incredible defense. In 2016, uh, when I think Aaron Rodgers maybe had his best season besides 2011 and 2014, which are pretty widely regarded as, like, the best quarterbacking seasons of all time, in 2016, Aaron Rodgers, uh, the Green Bay Packers started out four and six. Aaron Rodgers said that they could run the table. They won six straight to end the season at ten and six. Aaron Rodgers threw uh, 4,428 yards, 40 touchdowns, seven interceptions. Um, he had 104.2 rating. He was 
outrageous, unbelievably good. He closed the season out throwing 22 touchdowns and zero interceptions over the last six games. They were oh yeah failed whistle there. Do you remember that? Do you remember that stretch? It was just out of. I think I faintly do now that we say that. It was out of this world good. Ty Montgomery was the best running back on the Packers. <laughs> it was the first year when they had to convert him from a wide receiver to a running back because they ran out of running backs on the roster. Still doesn't change his number either. Still does not change his number. I mean, what I'm saying is that that team's weapons were bad. Jordy Nelson was playing with broken ribs in the playoffs. Like, it wasn't – that team wasn't good. They still made it to the NFC Championship game surrounded by – it was Geronimo Allison's kind of first appearance, the undrafted free agent getting big snaps. Um, you go to U of I. Yeah, he went to U of I. Wow. But the point of it is that the defense was terrible. Uh, the best cornerback on that – Packer squad was uh, Ladarius Gunter, <laughs> who played all, started 15 games, played all 16, uh, did not play after that. He played four games after that season with K- Carolina, did not record a tackle. Pretty telling. Got cut. Yeah. He was the number one cornerback rece- re- in that game. He would match up on other teams' number ones and stick with them for the entire game. He matched up against Des Bryant in that uh, 2016 NFC Divisional Round game against the uh, Cowboys. Is that the Des Cotic game? No, Des Cotic game was 2014. That's the game where, uh, with 30 seconds left, Rodgers draws that play uh, up in the sand, yes. rolls out, throws Cook, and then they kick the field goal. Jerry's World game? Yeah. Ah, uh, yes. Okay. Yeah. So, what I guess I'm trying to say is that um, they're both really great. I think Aaron Rodgers, both with the eye test and statistically, is much better than Tom Brady and is the guy that I would take with two minutes and no timeouts. Um, As a scared Bears fan, I think I would tend to agree. Yeah, it's just what I think what Aaron Rodgers does on a football field is something that we've never seen before and will never see again. I, right. I, I think the kind of stuff that we see, like with that throw in the NFC Divisional game in 2016, the Hail Marys, the especially the, the stuff in the Arizona game. It's things that no one else can do. Like arm strength-wise, the combination of knowing what the defense is doing, ball placement, Aaron Rodgers is just next level. Tom Brady makes great reads, puts balls in positions that his receivers can catch it, but Aaron Rodgers does things that we've never seen before. There you have it, folks. Well, you ready to move on to our four things you need to know? Let's do it. All right. The Red Sox didn't win a championship between 1918 and 2003. Okay. The Red Sox have won four of the last 15 World Series. I think Boston fans are spoiled. They have five from New York. You're right. They have five from New uh, New England. What was it? One from the Celtics and one from the Bruins, hockey. Yep. Yep. And then they have Four from the uh, baseball team. Yeah. Um, I think for a time there, we said the Giants were the best team in this century. They had three of the last five, yeah. 10 to 14. I think that's out the window now. Yeah. Not even just because sheer number of titles, but over the longest, well, the longevity of what Boston's done. Yeah. That is kind of unbelievable to me. Yeah. It's, it's, it's really, really hard, and the Cubs have seen it. It's really hard to repeat World Series. It's really hard to stay good in the MLB for years at a time. And the Red Sox have done it. Like, over the last 15 years, they've just kind of never fell off. Like, they've never been in last place in the AL East. They've always been pretty good, starting with 2004 and going on. The interesting thing is, with all those four teams, they've kind of been led by different guys. Yeah. 
04 was Manny Ramirez and David Ortiz. 07, you had Dustin Pedroia starting to kind of come on his second year there. Yeah. Uh, 13, that was a year where Ortiz was still around, but it was more, I feel like, the pitching staff. I don't know. John yeah. Lester, John Lackey were there. Yeah. Pedroia, obviously, there. And then this year, it's Mookie Betts, J.D. Martinez. It's different. Xander groups. Bogarts. Exactly. Yeah. It's different guys now. And it's 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 pretty impressive that they've been able to stay winning. And I think that starts with just like we've seen with New England, it starts with the ownership down because mm-hmm. that owner took over the team and they've won four of the last 15 ever since. Yeah. And <laughs> it's it, it having a smart owner and a good front office and a good general manager really does make the difference. It's 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 so hard to be a good team if you don't have intelligent people up top dictating personnel moves and bringing in the right talent and stuff. It's interesting because they've had three managers. Yeah. Terry Francona won the first two in 04 and 07. John Farrell won in 13, and they fired him after last year after they lost in the division series. And they bring in Alex Cora, who is like 42 years old, and yeah. they win the most games the Red Sox have ever won yeah. in their whole history. Just It's impressive. It's impressive, and I don't think it's out of the question that they could keep this rolling. Yeah, um, no, a lot of their talent is really young. In, they can only get better. I it's this this is a scarily scarily well built team. I don't know if they're going to win 108, 108 next year, but still should be back. Yeah. Um, all right, next up, Rockets, the Houston Rockets. I think this is dumb, but let's see what you think. They've offered the the Timberwolves four first round picks for Jimmy Butler, and the Wolves haven't budged. This count came out last Thursday or Friday. Yeah. What are your thoughts on that? Like, four firsts for Butler, or who's going to be 30? Like, what is that? So, the four firsts are 2019, 2021, 2023, and 2025. Jimmy Butler is going to be 30, and at the end of the season, his contract is up. He would be able to go anywhere that he wants to sign the next contract. He would, I would imagine that the Rockets are thinking that they would be able to sign him and get him to stay there in Houston. Um, I think it's absolutely insane yeah i think i did read that that if they traded for him the idea was even with their kind of tight cap room with chris paul james Harden, clint capella uh that they would actually try to bring him back and that's going to cost like 100 plus million and they would pay the luxury tax too easily of what went over i what i remember reading was a tweet that said that the rockets owner just finalized a deal that was going to bring him a ton of money and so he was going to be totally fine with paying the luxury tax to win a championship. I wonder if it's like a jersey sponsorship or something, maybe? I it, I think it had to do with like the guys' like real estate developments and stuff and like a side project outside of the NBA. Yeah, I think it's their willingness to go all in by getting Butler. And it's just like yeah. you have a, such a small window in sports, except if you're the Red Sox, apparently. Um, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and even if he doesn't resign, I don't think they're going to beat the Warriors, but even if he doesn't resign, you try to go all in while you have the chance, but I don't think they beat the Warriors with no. another ISO ball player in Jimmy yeah. Butler. Um, we'll see what happens with that. I also don't think it's worth it to get him midseason because four first-round picks for less than a full season is kind of crazy. Yeah, no, that's outrageous. It, it doesn't work. It, it, it's spoiling your future. Four first-round picks is a We've seen it with the Nets that can wreck a franchise. Yeah, by 2025, they'll probably be a lottery team. Yep. Um, All right, Uh, Cleveland. Yes. Lou and Hugh were fired. Wow. Tyron Lou, the Cavs fired him after starting 0-6, and the Browns fired Hugh Jackson today, Monday the 29th, after they started 2-5-1. What gives? Uh, I mean, the Hugh Jackson firing's been a long time coming. Um, Hugh Jackson, in his 
tenure with the Browns has had one winless season and one two ga- two win season. He right? won uh, one in sixteen, one in sixteen, zero last season, and two in twenty eighteen gotcha. with a tie. Though. I <laughs> yeah, I think that firing's been a long time coming. Hugh Jackson's not been a good coach for that team, and and has not been a stable voice in that locker room. Has not been a, a, a anything really positive to that squad. So I'm excited to see who the interim coach is and what their next move is. They were 336-1 and one with him. I don't know if it's anyone you bring in there outside of Bill Belichick. And he wasn't he a Browns coach? He was a Browns coach, yeah. I'd like to see if he left New England, if he would take that challenge on. But I don't think anyone you bring in there outside of Belichick right now is going to get them anywhere. Sure. They have a nice foundation in place with their defense, and now they have Baker Mayfield. But it's, <laughs> it's a few years off, but I think – a big part of this move is that Hugh Jackson wasn't really a great uh, Hugh Jackson wasn't really a great leader. It felt like a lot of the times Hugh Jackson was throwing his guys under the bus and kind of calling people out, and that's not really how you do it. I mean, Mike McCarthy, Packers quarterback, or Jesus, <laughs> Packers quarterback, Packers head coach. Uh, Ty Montgomery fumbled on the last possession of the game, kind of ruined the Packers' chance of winning against the Rams. Yesterday. Against the Rams yesterday, and. McCarthy doesn't immediately throw Montgomery under the bus. He kind of says, oh, he's trying to make a play. Like, he's just trying to do something positive. And that's where, like, good leadership is. Good leadership lies in, like, even if they went against your, you, the coaches, uh, wishes and statements and what you tell them to do, you can't, like, throw them under the bus in front of national media. And that's what we kind of saw Hugh Jackson do a lot, especially with, like, hard knocks and stuff like that, is, like, he wasn't building a comfortable environment for these players, and that's never going to allow your team to flourish. Yeah, and they also lost three games by three points this year. Yeah. I wonder how... That's a big coaching thing. If they had won two of those, maybe, how yeah. different it would have been. Yeah. Um, Cleveland, really quick, though. The Cavs are 0-6. A year after LeBron James left, who dragged them through the season, yeah. through the playoffs last year, to the finals... Um, I think Tyron Lue, just like his predecessor, David Black, got the short end of the stick here. Yep. Yep. Because yeah. Kevin Love's missed two games and they're 0-6 now. Yeah. It's it's Tyron Lue's – not only is he without LeBron James, he's without Kevin Love. and Kyrie they, Irving, you could they, even say, too. Yeah, I mean, Kyrie Irving's been gone, but, yeah, Kyrie Irving's gone as well. It's To ask Tyron Lue to do something positive with this Cavs team is like, are you kidding me? I think 0-6. Give him some time. Yeah, like 0-6 – it's kind it's of an 82 game season. Exactly. It's not the NFL. Yeah. It's not like there's only 10 games left. There's 76 games left in the season. Yeah. If he had that quick, it's of a pretty hook. <laughs> easy to be able to get that turned around. Yeah. I mean, come but on. also like that's not a Cavs team that we should expect to be turning things around. This Cavs team is definitely a lottery lottery team. I th- they were going to be a lottery team. And it, it, I, it, it's just Dan Gilbert's terrible ownership again and again and again. It might be how they lost. I mean, they lost to the Timberwolves, who got. 30-piece by the Bucks the other day. The Hawks, they beat the uh, Cavs by 22. The Nets beat them by 16. The Pistons by 7. Like, these aren't great teams, but they, like we said, the, the Cavs, Cavs are a bad team. They're going to be a lottery team regardless. Yeah. Um, last, and not le- not, wow. last but not least, according to Bovada, the Phillies are the favorites to land Bryce Harper uh, at an even spread. I don't, I don't know. I don't know work. anything about I I don't know anything about betting. I learned that I don't know what spreads are yesterday. I tried to bet on the Packers Rams <laughs> game and then uh got a little bit more into it. It was like I shouldn't put money down. I really don't know what this means. <laughs> exactly. So okay, even odds is what they call it. So their odds to get him are even, which I guess is like really good. We're so educated on this, sorry. 
Uh, Cubs are plus 300, and they're second. Do you think he's going to the Phillies? Because they only have $69 million uh, committed to their payroll next season. Holy cow. So, uh, man, how much money do you think Philly, the Phillies are going to spend on Bryce Harper? Well, to compare, this is not a good answer. Uh, Manny Machado, everyone thought was going to get like $300, $350 million before the postseason, and now reports are like that that's going to go down to like 225 because of his antics that everyone's seen in the postseason. That's a topic for another day. Dumb. I don't think Harper's going to get $400 million. I think... Dude, I, I after last winter where yeah. all these veteran free agents didn't get signed till late, or, or they got, and or they got way less money than they thought. If Harper got two hundred million for like only five years, would not be shocked because yeah. then he can hit free agency again. Four hundred, five hundred million is not happening. I'd be shocked if it was more than four hundred. Four hundred mm-hmm. be the peak, and that would be if someone like the Phillies were just like, "Why not? We have money to spend. Sure, got to do it." Yeah, yeah. I, I, the Phillies seem like a nice landing spot. For Bryce Harper, I m- maybe don't want to pencil him in as a Philly just because who wants to play in Philadelphia <laughs> um, for those fans. But they've got the money. They can make it happen. The Dodgers, too, got under the luxury tax last winter and with Machado leaving, Corey Seager coming back to play shortstop next year. It wouldn't yeah. be shocking if you know you get Harper to play outfield. and that's your They make a play. Yeah. All right. This was the fourth episode. Yeah. Of the From the Loop podcast. And we'll be back in future episodes, of course. Stay tuned for that. We'll be on SoundCloud. We'll be on Anchor FM. All the places where you get podcasts. And stay tuned for that. We're awesome. Thanks for tuning in. That's it. See you later.